And so I put an Etsy listing up with these roots and I got a sale and I'm like, we liked the site. We liked the people that we met through the site. And so we pretty much use that exclusively. Hello and welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. My name's Cormac Harkin and today I've got Brian Alexovich with me from the Lots Project. Welcome, Brian. Hey, how we doing, man? Finally, nice to uh, to hook up a time and actually get together. I think we've been talking about doing this for like six months. <laughs> in various guises, I think I was supposed to do a recording with you and then back and forth, but we, we got here in the end. I mean, we were going to exchange interviews and in the in the meantime, I stopped doing them. So uh, so this is a one way at the moment, but it might actually uh, spur me to get back into it. So. Oh, boy. Do you want to give us a, a quick introduction just uh, just who you are and about your channel and things? Yeah, man. I'm my name's Brian Alexovich. I'm uh, I do this thing called the Lots Project. I'm not really sure what you would call it it's kind of um it's the youtube channel the brand the business the just the philosophy i guess um my wife and i in 2014 i believe uh we purchased a 35 acre homestead in minnesota uh worked pretty pretty consistently for five years on building that up uh like all in we did all the things we were so so consumed with it and busy we worked full-time jobs we um went into multiple different animals and and plants products developing the property um and then at one point five years in we realized that we didn't want to be in minnesota anymore uh we had started kind of a youtube channel and a brand around our farm uh and we were like yeah we can't do the cold anymore you know it was coming into winter uh, and in Minnesota, we were just, you know, last last frost was end of May. First frost was end of September. So like you were you were pretty, pretty tight in your growing season. And we were just done with the cold. I worked outside for a living plus the, all the farm stuff. And I was done with the negative 30. It's just it's silly. Um and so we were going to pick up property somewhere in a better climate, just a piece of raw property and take everything we had learned for from five years and just start fresh. Um, we didn't care about power. We didn't care about uh, plumbing. We were perfectly content to do solar, off-grid stuff, outhouse, whatever. And in the process of looking for a new piece of property, we decided that we were going to need someplace to live while we build it, built our structure, whatever we were going to do there. And so we decided we were going to outfit an RV to live in, be off grid, be able to boondock and be sustainable while we figured out what we were doing. And in the process of going through building the trailer out and everything, we decided, you know, why are we buying a piece of property and going there? when we have this mobile unit that's self-sustaining, that we can boondock, we can go without power, we can go without water, we can go without sewer for weeks at a time. Why don't we just travel around and figure out where we actually want to be? Let's go stay somewhere in our, in our trailer before we buy a property. Uh, and so that kind of spurred this whole new brand and lots L O T S is, it stands for living outside the systems. Um, 
pretty much we've kind of transitioned away from normal life. I mean, we live in a camper full time RV and run, running around the country. Um, we've we've pulled away from all the kind of the mainstream medicine, uh, healthcare here in the U.S. We've pulled away from politics. We're apolitical anarchists. Um, we don't give a shit about it. Um, sorry about the language on your on your podcast here, but like it, the stuff doesn't it doesn't matter to us anymore. We're living our day to day life. Um, we're worrying about what affects us. We're aware of what's going on around us, and we're trying to insulate ourselves from that. Um, you know, if, if we're plugged in where we're staying right now, we do have power. But if the power went out today from a thunderstorm, we wouldn't even know because our trailer set up with solar and batteries and and all of that. If the you know the biggest thing transitioning in the trailer was food security, we're working on that. But really, we've we've insulated ourselves to the to the point where whatever happens, we just roll with it and literally could pick up and roll to somewhere else and do what we got to do to figure it out. So. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, but along the way, I picked up all sorts of uh, side hustles. Like one part of living outside the system is, is kind of providing for yourself. Um, my wife does have a full-time job and we're very fortunate that she can work remotely. And since we have internet with us, uh, she can work from anywhere. And I'm kind of building uh, a side hustle empire, man. Like um, that's what I do for money is, is all sorts of everything. Uh, so many different trickle streams and... Yeah. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. If uh I mean there's there's way more. I'm a I'm a very complicated man, I guess. But uh... <laughs> that's great stuff. And we'll get to that in a minute. So the reason I uh asked you on the show today, uh so the show's for like permaculture professionals, education, and you have a couple of well, a lot of side hustles and, and, and income streams as well. And that's why we invited you on to share. But do you want to go back to the homestead just on the on, yeah. on the farm? Tell us a bit about the property. What kind of animals you had and just, just the, the general sort of any any uh business ventures you had going there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh so we moved up to the farm. We were we were going to try to make that um an income completely. Uh we wanted to both be full time on the farm eventually. We looked into every possible avenue for that. We had 35 acres, uh, a big mix of um we had two large what had really been one, I shouldn't say it, one of the fields was taken care of by one farmer who put organic compost on it, never stripped it down too much, hayed it once a year. If it was um, if it was viable to hay, if it had been a dry year, she'd skip it. Uh, the other field that we had was about five acres that had just been hayed every year. Roll it, don't add anything to it, didn't run animals on it. So Basically, when you walked out there, when it was chest high, um, it was just wispy, like chest high, wispy, one one or two really dominant species of grass. And um, so we didn't know what we wanted to do with it. We continued to let the the one farmer take care of the the organically taken care of field. She did an awesome job. She did it the whole five time, five years we were there. We never expanded out there. We were there seven years, really working five years and then transitioning for two years. But um, she she kept taking care of that. We never got to that part of the property. Um, the backfield is where we started. It was right behind the house. You know, permaculture worked out. We, uh, we made plenty of mistakes, but that is one thing we did. We kept things close to where we were so we could see it all the time. 
um we tried to determine what kind of animals we wanted to run to help fix that field uh what kind of revenue streams we could bring in from animals what was small easy to get started um and beneficial to everything uh we we pursued chickens uh we got laying hens we got um meat birds we got meat birds out on that field as soon as we could uh the transition from meat birds across that field was was unbelievable but we were selling those meat birds we were we were selling um the processed meat birds we were spinning up a side hustle to uh, rent the tractors basically like the the people like a, almost like a, a tractor share where we had the tractor we had the property the people bought the the birds and paid a premium for the birds and the feed and everything and the premium was our cut for raising them uh, that model was being put into place when we left um, when we just kind of had enough and that was another thing with with doing the animals, uh, doing the meat birds. Our season was so short, so that was uh, one of the side hustles we did with the with the the chickens. Uh, another was we ran a hatchery on the on the farm. We sold everything from hatching eggs all the way up into laying birds and everywhere in between, pretty much. Um, we were hatching them for ourselves because we wanted to be sustainable. We had a breeding system set up with our chickens. We had isolated single breeds. We had like barnyard flocks. So we kind of sold the whole gamut, whether you wanted a cheap chick that was like a tractor supply barnyard mix all the way up into um, uh, the, the chocolate Morans, the, the deep dark eggs that bring a real premium. And we sold everything in between there from everything from egg to adult bird. Uh, so that was kind of a, a little bit of a venture. Um, but the the thing that I really focused on the most for the long term that we were there was stuff that grew on the property. Uh, when I was doing the research about kind of planning out what we wanted to do, how we wanted to tackle this thing, I was uh, pretty deep into the survival podcast, listening to Jack Spearco talk about permaculture and and survival and preparedness and one thing that he talked about about the time we moved up there was comfrey and how you can propagate it and how basically it's like growing money and man i uh i listened to the episode he did about it i thought about it i looked up his old videos on youtube on how he propagated it how he grew it and i just started it, it sat in my brain and it spun around. I started doing the easy stuff, the animals. That's easy. Um, we also sold quail, uh, the same as the chickens and rabbits. But that comfrey just sat in the back of my head. And about a year or so after I heard Jack talk about it, I ordered some, finally. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. See how easy it is. I uh, I ordered like a dozen root cuttings, I think, or maybe it was 25 root cuttings from uh, the guy that Jack recommended, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, I I planted it. I gave it the the time. I, I looked at the care instructions from the guy that sent it and basically put it in the ground and watched it. And the they started coming up a little bit of green here. And then all of a sudden it just took off. The The leaves started coming in. I was like, oh, wow, this does grow fast. This grows fast. 
Uh, I started looking into all the different things you could use it for, uh, both the leaves, because I he talked about how how magical the leaves were and how good it was for medicinal purposes and compost building and soil building and mulching. And so my mind's just going crazy with all these different ways to use this leaf because it's growing so fast. And as I was looking into it, they were like, yeah, as soon as it starts to send up shoots with flowers on it, cut it off at the ground, it'll grow back. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm pretty new. Like, we came out of the suburbs. I didn't grow up with a garden. My mom planted flowers in her front yard when I was a kid in a little flower bed, uh, bought them every year, all annual stuff. Um, my whole life was apartment, city, uh, suburbs, house, you know, like maybe grow a tomato plant. But I didn't know anything about like perennials and all this stuff. And so what I'm reading, they're like, you can cut it off two inches above the ground and lop it off and it'll grow right back. And depending on the soil conditions and the plant strength, you could do that like once a month. And I'm like, no way, no way. So I waited and waited and waited. I was super nervous to cut these plants off. And I like made sure I had a bunch established and I did one and I'm like, cut it off. And I'm like, oh my God sure enough man like whoop, bigger and and better came back thicker and i'm like okay all right so Corey and i my wife and i um started figuring out how to use these leaves we started drying them we started well first of all we started um uh, using them in our compost like feeding them to our chickens feeding them to our rabbits um laying them down for mulch and then we had so much that we started drying it we started making um, we started making salves out of it. We started making uh, poultices out of the fresh leaves, and then preparing it and saving it for later for um, later use with the dried leaves. And a poultice, if you don't know, basically, if you got a sore elbow, you put comfrey leaves on it, uh, fresh, or you mash them up with water and a little make a paste out of it, basically with flour and water, and then wrap saran around it and let it sit, and it just like supercharges uh getting some some goodness in there um so we use that we started selling salves on uh etsy and we're like man this this is a great crop it just keeps coming back and all the time i'm thinking about these leaves i kept thinking about jack and his propagating the roots and the fact that i had bought roots for someone and how much i paid for those roots and i'm like i'm gonna try this i'm gonna like dig it up and i'm gonna cut the roots and i'm gonna really do the math on like i gotta ship this i gotta figure out all this and so i let it go a full year in the ground the next spring before it really took off i dug it while it's still dormant i messed around with a plant i figured out my pricing my shipping and all that selling roots and then i planted this thing back in the ground after i uh, after i had harvested it i shipped some testers to some people i knew and I just went with it and we were going to, we were going to just do more of the leaves, the same as we did the, the year before. And so I put an Epsi listing up with these roots and I got a sale and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I dug the next plant, sudden them out, followed up with the person and they were super happy with the way they showed up. They planted them. They, they started growing right away. They were very satisfied. I was like, okay, this is viable. Uh, didn't sell very much, uh, had, like I said, I had started 25 plants. Uh, I think I dug three or four plants 
and then an order came in and I like I was walking by the one that I had originally dug when it was dormant and it was full grown in with leaves and I'm like I wonder I wonder how much has grown and it had been you know four or five months like huh I grew it I, I dug it up and the amount of growth that had happened on the roots was enough to harvest the order for the second time in the year. And then when I dug it up and I was looking at all the roots that it had started to come up that I had cut off when I had harvested it when it was dormant in the spring. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty crazy. And so that winter, I... I, st- I sat down and I made a plan and I basically harvested in the spring super early. I harvested all my plants that had been established for like a year and a half. And I took them out in another field and I propagated them all out. I replanted my 25 plants. I had over eh, pushing 200, I think, uh, at the end, but basically pushed Etsy root sales, crown sales, uh, and focused on that with with the comfrey and sold a ton man it um it's amazing i've i've started i've helped a bunch of people start up their own comfrey businesses um it's such a great plant once people realize how easy it is to grow it's it's pretty easy to spend 30 bucks for your own endless supply ever of leaf or root or if you want to sell it um man that's what that's what my uh that's that's what my root cuttings are like 30 40 bucks something like that for a dozen um yeah so that was a super super interesting process how it developed in my brain how uh going from hearing it on a podcast to really thinking it through to making sure it wasn't just this like uh get rich quick thing (laughs) and then actually taking the time and i mean it's far from get rich quick uh it, it might be get rich but it is a long cycle uh, and then watching that develop over the years and and having the realizations that it's like, this is how much I would need. This is how much I need to, in Minnesota, dig as much as I want in the spring and be able to dig it again in the fall and have it grow back and like have a continual cycle. Have some plants resting for a season, only harvest them for leaves. Like the operation was growing and growing and growing. And I had really put five years into it when we decided we were leaving and i didn't want to give it up <laughs> I, I mean you were like the farm was hard enough to give up all the work and all the all the things we did there it was hard to make that decision to just walk away from it uh and we were trying to figure out how to continue something that we did there whether it be um, take chickens with us or I don't know. We like, we, we talked about a, a ton of different things. Well, I figured out a way to kind of keep doing the comfrey and I'm still selling it today in the, in the, in the camper traveling around the country. Um, I started a thing a couple of years ago where I offered a business in a box, basically uh, enough comfrey to get you started, jump started really. Uh, to where this time of year, I think this will probably air within the next couple of weeks, maybe. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be uh, by the end of the week. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this time of year, uh, it's spring, uh, you get it in the ground. And with this package, it would like really jumpstart you to be selling by the fall. Harvesting leaves a little sparingly over the summer, but by fall and going into the next year, you're, you're set up. 
well, I needed to prove this model out and I wanted to prove it out. I knew I could do it on a, on acreage, on a few acres of land. Um, I wanted to prove it in other scenarios in a, in a suburban lot, in an urban lot, like to where I could teach anybody that wanted to do this, maybe not in an apartment. It'd be a little rough in an apartment, but anybody in a, in suburbia, in uh, maybe a city lot with some, a, a yard. And so I started talking to people and saying, Hey, I have this product. I want to send it to you. I want to tell you how to do it. But in return, I need you to sell my comfrey for me. So when I get an order, you need to fulfill it. You can do whatever you want. You can build your business as big as you want. I'll help you do it locally. I'll teach you how to sell it on, on Craigslist locally in Facebook marketplace. But when I have orders come in, I need someone to fill them. And I'll give you all the stuff for free. And so I had some takers on that, sent it out. Um, and currently my, my guy that's fulfilling my orders is growing them in a, in a city lot in Seattle. Like it, he was on your show actually, uh, um, Brian Norton, right? Brian, Brian in Seattle, in his little permaculture, um, wonderland in his little city lot is supplying all the comfrey we sold. Um, I think we sold pushing over $3,000 worth of comfrey last year. Um, and we weren't, we didn't really even push it. So we're still trying to get his, his stuff established. Uh, and that was while it was being established. We sold that much. Now he is rocking and going. And we just started offering one to two year old whole plants instead of just little root cuttings. Um, man, it, it was a, a fantastic partnership to set up to keep this business going and also document how to do it in a small lot, how to grow it in containers. Um, I had somebody else take some and doing some experimentation in IBC totes uh, in a suburban lot in like a, a three quarter to an acre lot. Uh, I had my experience doing it on, on acreage where you have a little room and that would be anything over two to, two to 20 uh, acres. And right now I'm also doing some experimenting with gorilla planning and running a business off of a secondary property, like a, a hunting property, a, um, you know, just raw land acreage. If you got a back 40 that you're doing nothing with and you want to do this, uh, I'm, I'm currently doing that and having pretty good success with that. That'll be, that started last year about this time. So we're a year into that and, it, and it's a long cycle. So um it's a yeah, long, that... long cycle but like three thousand dollars on a on a on a small homestead is nothing to be uh shirked at no it's, it's oh yeah i mean i think it's, brian it's a... i think brian this year um year two if we want like obviously we want but like if we don't if we wanted to really just push his crop he showed me what he has going and he's an extreme case on a city lot i mean he's He's maximizing every inch of that property. He could he could easily sell 10, 10, $15,000 worth of comfrey this year. It's, yeah. it's just, it's connecting with the customers. It's having a, a bunch of different res revenue streams from the plant itself because, you know, there, there was seven different products I sold from that plant when I was on the farm. This wasn't selling roots. I had seven different things. Um, everything from uh, just... I would sell my whole leaves, my fresh leaves 
I would only okay. I would only harvest on Sunday. This is the beauty of the thing <laughs> on Etsy. On Etsy, you you put orders and you say your ship time is one to seven days, and if they order it on Sunday, you ship it the following Monday. If they order it on Wednesday, you ship it the following Monday. So I would accumulate my orders for the week and I would go out on my day off and I would have 10 orders. I knew that was like, I could get that out of a two plants or less. So I'd dig two plants up. I would harvest them. I'd pack them all up and they went to the post office on Monday morning. Um, but when I would harvest that, I would have all this leaf matter. And I would say to, I had customers locally that I built relationships with and I would text them and say, Hey, I got two garbage bags full of comfrey leaf. Who wants it? And I would just drop it off on their doorstep. And then they would use it for their compost, feed it to their animals, whatever. If I had a lower supply of dried to use for my comfrey salves and my poultices, I would save some of that and dry it myself. Sell the dry. Uh, there's so many different things you can do with the plant. And once you spend the, the 30 bucks, the 100 bucks, the 200 bucks to get it in the ground, it's all gravy. Like really, there's no cost in running this. There's no cost of inventory. Envelopes, maybe a little bit of time, some shipping. Um, and, and you know what? Every time you harvest it, it grows back thicker. Every time you harvest it, it grows back more. So you don't ever run out of product either, unless you're just, unless you're really just stupid with it, basically. Right. So it's a great, a great business model for, and it ties right in with the permaculture, your, it's 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 good for the environment you're spreading it's uh a comfrey as well it has a big long taproot brings nutrients up uh so really good uh do you help people learn this stuff or oh yeah oh uh, for sure yeah yeah on my website uh i mean the lotsproject.com is pretty pretty straightforward but um there's a there's a comfrey consult like a services page there's a, i do comfrey consulting i guess is what you call i didn't really have a good name for it um <laughs> I'll teach you about it. Uh, I can, I can help you. I can help you um, figure out what you should order to get started on your property, what you can expect to, to be able to sustain on your property. Do you want to grow it for an ornamental in your HOA um, in your front garden? Cause the thing is beautiful. If you let it grow and you only want to harvest it once a year to supply some leaf for the winter, um, man, it's a beautiful, big, broad leaf plant with, uh, really cool purple flowers. Um, HOA ladies aren't going to be saying anything about that plant. Um, Hey, I got to go out and trim my plants getting a little big. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I can help you figure that out. I can figure I can, I can show you how, what I did. If you have an acre, you want to, you want to throw it something like this, uh, the management plan I had. Yeah, that's all available. Um, you can you can sign up for a three free 30 minute chat. Uh, if you know you want to do this and you don't need any convincing from me, I have options where you can just order um, you can order a consult session where I'll I'll, I'll advise you how much you should order, um, give you kind of that optimized plan and then give you a credit towards your order and uh, and a follow up. And, and if you have questions and stuff on how to grow it. And then I also do that on a bigger level with um, the business, the follow-up after. And it's really a long cycle. You're, I'm committing to you. It's a little, it's, it, it's probably going to have to go up in price when I really, when I dive into it. But I'm committing long-term to you when I'm going to talk about business. And, and the, the great part about it is whatever I'm doing, 
I can still talk to you about that. Whether I shut down, um, I I stop traveling in an RV, I do something else completely, you still have access to me and I ran this business and I'm going to continue. I'm not shutting this business down. So um, it's going to run forever because I set it up to be that way. Yeah, it's definitely something I, I think I'll be doing once uh, once I get settled in a, in a place. Because to me, it's uh, you just plant a set and forget it for a while. And then I like that systemized, mm-hmm. systemized approach where you just ship on a Sunday. Yeah. And you, um, and you know, the, the best part about it is you get sick of it. You're like, man, I really just, it's not worth it. Did you say worth the squeeze for me? Um, you just stop cutting it and you got a great ornamental that's making your property better. If you want to, uh, uh, you know, chop and drop it in the fall because it's so much organic matter. It's so much leaf matter. That's so good for your soil. It benefits everything around it. If the in the fall, all you do is go and chop it up and spread it out and it'll grow back just as beautiful the next year. So, I mean, everything from just that ornamental that's going to benefit it by being there to running multiple different types of side hustles. It's it's a fantastic plant. No, that's, that's a great job. And I'll leave them links in the description as well for anybody that's interested to get in touch with Brian. Um, and I think you do, you do another... Uh, so when you left the homestead, that was your homestead sort of thing. And then I like the next one as well. So you went down the road and then your hip camp consultant. Yeah. Yeah, man. So hip camp is, uh, is a pretty cool site. I mean, I, I, I focus on hip camp. There's uh there's several other companies that do the same thing, but basically it's a peer to peer, uh, rental, like an Airbnb, uh, instead of renting a, a room of your house or renting your whole house, you are renting a piece of your property for people to come and camp on. Um, it's, 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 it's the alternative to staying at a campground or finding some uh, state park, free land, stuff like that. It's uh, usually on private land. There are some campsites listed on there too, but mostly on private land where somebody has a little extra space where you can pop up a tent. They might have a electrical hookup or a water hookup where you could bring an RV there's all different scales of it. But what I'm doing, and I talked about a property earlier that I'm doing the kind of the gorilla um, secondary property model with the Comfrey. That's a friend of mine. Um, he's in he's in kind of my networks. He lives in Canada, owns a property here in Tennessee. And so he can only really utilize it for six months out of the year. And it's raw. It's raw property. When we rolled up to it last year, we had to cut away into it from the easement road that we were on. So, I mean, definitely raw, no driveway, overgrown, old logging, selective logging property. And so what we're doing with it is we're putting in a system of trails. We're putting in a composting outhouse. We're installing, um, we're going to start with four, primitive camping so no no water no electric um like i said the the composting outhouse but tent sites or hammock sites however you want to camp basically you you go through the hip camp site you book a site for you know it'll probably be 10 15 20 bucks a night depending on what the the area will support and you just rent the spot for the night for the weekend for the week um that is the the initial phase of this. Uh, Tim, the property owner, is also looking for it to be kind of a getaway when he can come down here to the States. 
uh, a bug out location if he needs to get out of Canada for some reason. Um, but just all these options. So he needs, if he's coming down here, he needs a place to stay. We're going to start putting up little, uh, little cabins. We have one up already, but we're going to start expanding as we install these campsites and tent campers start using them. Then we're going to build uh, a small structure on it, be able to rent it out as a cabin or a campsite. And then as the campsites fill up with little cabins, we're going to develop more camp campsites. He's got 15 acres there. So we can support a ton of uh, a ton of sites. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be kind of a continual model as we get the, the facilities for people to stay at. We're going to start doing more um, educational stuff, uh, nature walk weekends, primitive skill workshops, uh, maybe some um, like digital retreats, like uh, no phones, no technology uh, come and camp for the weekend. We'll make sure you have contact with the outside world if there's an emergency, but no devices, uh, that kind of thing. Maybe some uh, some team building stuff for employers. I don't know. It's 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 wide open. The the different things you can do on a on a raw 15 acres. Once you have trails put in to move about, you have campsites strategically placed. You work with the right people to develop the right um, curriculums and. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a really cool project that I'm glad I talked to him into letting me do. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's basically making making a little extra money from from unused space. Yeah, I think that is great. So basically for, uh, for permaculture people, if they if they've just bought up a raw land and they want what, what I do with it, that's two things that they can do straight away. Plant some yeah. comfrey clear space and, and, and start going through Hub Camp. Now, Hub Camp, I think, is uh, US-based. I'm sure there's other uh, yeah. similar things around the world, but it's like a, an easy way, just like let someone go and camp there. And then you know all the, because you've done that through your own travels, you've been to Hub yep. Camps. And then yeah. you, uh, you do consulting as well, don't you, for yeah. properties? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, so we start, I started with it actually when we owned our farm. Um, we, we rented sites on our farm. And then when we left, we knew the site so well, we, we liked the site. We liked the people that we met through the site. And so we pretty much use that exclusively other than, uh, pre, uh, free government, uh, national parks and stuff here. Um, we have over 200, 225 nights on hip camp properties since we've left in our RV. So I, uh, I help people both figure out how to use the site as a camper. If you're, if you're looking to use the site, um, to get away for the weekend, to go full-time RVing, uh, I'll talk to anybody about that. And, uh, also on the property host side, I was getting into doing some on-site consulting. Um, but this project here is really what I want to focus on. I will do, um, I will do remote consulting uh, for anybody that wants it. I'll talk them through the process. I'll answer questions uh, up into, you know, really doing a virtual walk through your property. If you have, uh, if that's your desire, if you like really want to get into this, I'm more than willing to help you. And, you know, if the project's right, you never know. We are mobile. So there is a possibility to get to, uh, to roll out to someplace too, if, 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 it, if it's, if the situation's right, but Definitely, uh, everything remote is is uh, on the table. 
Uh, and that 30 minutes still stands like that I talked about with the Comfrey. Any of my consulting services, anything that I offer on my site, I always, if if I'm going to ask you to pay for anything, I want to talk to you for a half an hour and make sure that we jive, that you're going to be okay with me, um, that we can interact and communicate well. I can teach you the way you need to learn because I don't want to take anybody's money that's not getting their value. That's that's like the, the base of my um, whole philosophy with everything in my life is value for value. And um, man, like I want somebody to be sure before they give me their money. Yeah, no, that's that's really good, and uh, I like I like too the way you uh, you haven't let being on the road stop your entre- no, the, the the business, and, and and you're doing business on the land. So for anybody who's traveling, it, there is possibilities out there that you just can't. You don't have to say, "Well, I need my twenty acres, or I can't do anything." Oh no! <laughs> it's like you, and you're working with communities that you've built up. Um, yeah, using that value for value exchange to build your your social capital, your community capital, or whatever. Let me know what it's called, but I think that's a really yeah, good oh. example. And there, there's two businesses you can start straight off the bat. Yep, yep, yeah. And I mean, so there's even there's even the possibility of being of setting up the business. Like I I never really thought about it too much. It, it's popped into my head before, but you even without property, if you know somebody, there's a whole, there's a whole movement right now with um, kind of the lease, the land for grazing cattle. Um, there's no reason if you really want to grow this plant, if you want to grow comfrey, um, going back to comfrey, that you can't convince somebody to have it on their property. Whether you go there and you maintain it you run the kind of the business in their on the edge of their field or um next to their garden there i can i could probably write out a pitch for anybody to walk up to a homestead and say hey i want to rent or i want to use here's the rent here's the value i'm going to bring to you we're going to put a plant in here that's going to benefit your property i'm going to propagate it on your property wherever you want as part of my business model all I need is a is a is a three by twenty foot row off on the edge of a field somewhere, and I'm gonna plant something, and and I'll I'll cut you in or whatever the deal is. Like you could share, you could you could do a lease to uh, to run this business, like just for a little side side hustle. I mean, it, I I had never really thought to pursue it that much, but as we were talking here there's no reason you can't do what I'm doing. Just finding people that, you know, in your community, that are willing to host those plants that ha- that don't want to do any, that don't want to do it, that don't want anything to do with it. Like you could easily do that, I suppose. Yeah. No, it's something I'll, uh, I'll definitely be looking on there. I'll, I'll get back to you know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if I, I've had many things that I want to do. It's, it's always, it's difficult picking ones, but if, uh, I like the fact that it's a small investment and it's uh, particularly for people who just who maybe have bought some land and they can't get out to it. Like your yeah. friend who, right, well, let's make use of it even while I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that that's, that's really nice because if you get out there and get, get it established and maybe you check on it a little bit here and there up front, once that's there, it's there when you're ready for it. Yeah. Like it's not like it's not like a tomato plant where you you plant the seed and you take care of it and then you put it out and there's a little less maintenance 
but you know you got to use it up by the end of the year these perennials these perennial plants and and i'm i'm starting to explore more um we're doing some trials with elderberry we're doing some um some little tree some tree um some tree propagation out at that property so there's a lot of things we're pursuing long term and just like any of those you just get it started and once it's established and and there when it's time when you want when you're ready it's there for you i wish i had planted it when i heard jack talk about it and didn't wait a year because it is a long cycle it is a year before it's you're going to be harvesting it and have like fruitful uh meaningful uh product to sell so yeah it's like what is that uh, you know the the famous when when's the best time to plant a tree When's the best time to plant your comfrey was like last last fall. Uh, um, second best times now, yeah. Uh, right. I think too it's the compounding effect because if you if you've one plant this year, you have four next year, then you have sixteen, and with then so at this stage again, well, yeah, if you're a year out. You're <laughs> that that was part of my business model was every time I dug an order, and I had to stop this, and, and that'll tell you how much it it, it just multiplies. Every time I dug an order, I planted five new plants plus the plant I dug. So I put the, I never really took the crowns. I sold crowns, but even when I sold a crown, my plants were still established. I would sell part of a crown and put the plant back, the, the majority of the crown. And then I would take five really good root cuttings and plant five new plants somewhere on my 35 acres. And I got to a point where it was just everywhere. It was all along our house. It was around our trees. It was in where it was supposed to be. It was by the garden. It was down growing in the compost. It was in the woods everywhere. And I was like, I mean, it was in the front yard where I would do my processing every day. I had like this uh, portable fish cleaning table that I would do my orders. And because I sprayed off all the roots, the, the just the excess, and it sat in the yard. This is where my St. Bernard's would run out and run over it and back and forth and like not anywhere you would say it was planted. And then all of a sudden there's like a, a two foot comfrey plant in my front yard in the grass. Like that's how honey badger this stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is two types of comfrey and there's one that seeds and one that doesn't seed. Yeah. Okay. So uh -huh. there's um, the wild comfrey don't, I mean, you can for sure. You can. I'm not telling you don't do what you want to do, uh, but it seeds and spreads and it's it's invasive, depending if you don't want it or not. Uh, I think that word gets um, misused a lot. It will spread like crazy uh, and you won't really want to deal with stopping it. The the comfrey I sell, Bocking number four, Bocking number 14 is another variety. Um, there's several it uh it's named after the town it was developed in um just it is what it is uh, i didn't make up the name but this is sterile it will it will slowly spread through the roots as it as it grows out eventually i i never let it grow enough the without harvesting it to to, to find out how big it actually would get but in 2 years it didn't outgrow where i wanted it um the only way to propagate it is through root cuttings through crown cuttings uh, so put it where you want it, make sure that's where you want it, because if it's there, it's there. Uh, once it's established, it's, it's tough. It's tough to get rid of, but it's not going to take over. 
right. Well, that's that's what you want. Something vigorous where it is, but it's not going to uh, right. spread. Work, works great in guilds is uh, kind of that mid-story um, because it gets, if you let it go, wild, like not wild, but just don't take care of it, um, it'll end up, I would say like three foot tall with a nice crown and then uh, about four foot across. Big, broad leaf. So really fill in underneath those underneath those smaller trees or shrubs yeah I, I always include it now in every design i do comfrey's on there because it's, it's just, got, i mean it's, it's it's just so beneficial uh and uh i will be saying to clients now as well that if they need help with uh setting up their property either hip camp or getting comfrey on the go i'll be passing on your details oh for sure for sure uh, yeah we can't finish without you you did mention your dogs briefly you travel with a couple of or three St. Bernard's on this yeah yeah uh, so when we were on the farm um we had german shepherds when we first moved to our, our farm and my wife and i really moved to the farm to slow down and our german shepherds were really high strung we had two of them and they were super high strung very uh alert attack kind of guard dogs uh when we were living in the city and so we, we when they kind of passed on, one of them did, and the other was kind of getting old, and we were trying to figure out what kind of dog we wanted to get. And we were like, well, we really come out to the country to slow down, um, to kind of be, you know, mm, <laughs> uh, really chill out. And so we were looking at dogs, and the St. Bernard, man, you, you, can't, you don't get any more kind of chill and relax as the St. Bernard. And so we got one and fell in love with him. And he was awesome we ended up getting another one and because of some certain situations we also got another dog at that same time that's a saint bernard great dane mix from the same people and so we had these three dogs on the farm they had an acre fenced in that they could roam around and whatever and when we decided to move um we don't get rid of pets that's a commitment but we weren't going to let it stop us from moving and we moved three St. Bernards into an RV with us, uh, in a, into a 32 foot travel trailer. We have 180 pound. He's probably more than that. Now, 180 pound St. Bernard, 160 pound St. Bernard and 140 pound, uh, Bernard great Dane mix. And it's something, man. It's, <laughs> um, it is definitely something. <laughs> let's, uh, let's say that. <laughs> well, they have their own channel as well. Don't they? Well, yeah. They yeah. Yeah. We'll put that yeah. in the links as well. I <laughs> make sure yeah, my they checks out. The, they got yeah. uh, they get they get a a spotlight on the YouTube channel for sure, mm. and then they got all sorts of Facebook and TikTok. Uh, Baby Walter and Company. So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Brandon, is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention though before we wrap up? No, man. I mm. uh, I just appreciate you having me on. I I love your your podcast and what you got going on. The whole the whole concept of everything you're doing is fantastic i think you're bringing a lot of valuable education to people and uh, i'm glad to be a part of that and if people want to get a hold of me i have a, a podcast that uh, i do every morning monday through friday it's not necessarily permaculture based it's not really it's not really anything based it's um it's my it's my life um documentation i guess whatever i'm thinking about whatever i'm doing uh, things that irritate me, things that make me laugh, and uh, basically a morning coffee chat. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. Check out that. You know, if you want to grow comfrey, I'm your man. I will. I will tell you how. Even if you're not in the U.S., we only ship to the U.S. Um, if you're not in the U.S., I can I can walk you through it. It's it. It will grow. It will grow where you're at. 
And if you're um, and if you're in the UK and Ireland in the next year, you can order it off me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But man, no, uh, I uh, I just appreciate uh, you coming and uh, and and having me on, and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. So that's great. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for uh, sharing uh, your knowledge and sharing that. I think it's very beneficial for people who are just going on the permaculture property and and what they can do. So it's uh, it's great stuff. Brian, thanks very much, guys. That was the. Brian Alexovich on the Permaculture Vine podcast. We have our PDCD professional course out now. If you want to check out the link, www.pdcdpro.com, where you can learn digital design, how to build a website and basically build your consultancy business from scratch. Or if you uh, draw your permaculture designs in the minute and you want to learn how to do them digitally, uh, we teach you how to do that. So follow that link in the description. Brian, thanks again. Cheers. (laughs)